Hi, this is Dana Gresh, author of Happily Even After and co-host of this podcast by the same name. Today, we're going to bring you more from our sex therapist, Joyce Penner, because our previous episode with her was one of our most loved episodes. But first, we've explored a lot of questions in our time together. Do you call yourself a sex therapist? Yes, I'm a certified sex therapist. Uh-huh. Okay, I have so many questions. Do you have a lot of questions? Okay. Why is it harder for most men to pray with their wives than it is to pray with just about anybody else? Will I ever be able to trust him again? So we shouldn't turn the pain off. How much detail? A lot of times a person will pump for details. Does that person on the other end have connection and safety? Is mm-hmm. that restored to them? And wives who are listening to the program today need to be aware of the fact that the question is not, has my husband stumbled in this area? Because almost every husband listening has stumbled at some point. The question is, is he caught in a pattern here? For the answers to all those questions, be sure to go back and listen to the first nine episodes of Happily Even After. Now, here's a question you've been asking us. What's the most powerful tool you've used in gaining victory over porn? Well, as as I've stated over and over, the journey to redemption is unique for every individual and each couple. Some people are really helped just by sharing with other people. But there's been one thing that's been an irreplaceable tool for me for 23 years, and that's Covenant Eyes. If you're struggling to quit porn, you're not alone. But over 1.5 million people have used Covenant Eyes to experience victory, and I'm one of them. Covenant Eyes is an app that's designed to help you and those you love, including your kids, live free from porn, and I couldn't recommend it more highly. Visit CovenantEyes.com to learn more and use our coupon code HEA for Happily Even After, and you get 30 days free. You can also find that code in the show notes for this podcast. Full disclosure, this episode is sponsored by Covenant Eyes, which I'm very proud of because we truly believe in what they do, and we're grateful for the opportunity to let as many listeners as possible try it. Okay, let's let's get to this episode titled The Sex Therapy Session, featuring our sex therapist. Dana didn't hold anything back during this conversation. Women are asking me this question all the time. They're having a hard time with competing with what he has seen in pornography, and they can't mentally get past that to enjoy being naked again in their own bed. What advice do you have for that wife? This is the Happily Even After podcast. Bob and Dana Gresh are raw, real, and honest. Their guests are wise experts in the work of marriage recovery. Some have degrees in therapy and psychology. The devil will do everything he can to try to get you into bed before marriage and Mm. everything he can to try to keep you out of bed after marriage. Others learn their lessons on the hot pavement of life. We have infinity in our hearts, and from the person who consumes images is a reason that it's never enough and you're constantly seeking more. And there's a reason that a spouse is gonna be constantly disappointed if you're everything is a finite person because there's only one being who can fill an infinite void in our hearts and in our souls. All of them will tell you the truth, what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Oh, and by the way, you can live happily even after.
Here's Bob Gresh. Hey, if this episode were a movie, it would be a good solid R rating. Mm, yeah, but in, the, in a good way. Like The Passion of the Christ was R rated. <laughs> yeah, that was a big, that's a big problem for Christians. It kind of cracks me up <laughs> that the actual Bible would be R rated yeah. in all cases. Yeah, but there is some pretty um, steamy content in this, but we think it's helpful. That's why we're sharing it. Every couple has sexual barriers and challenges to overcome, you know, differences in frequency of desire to start with. Yeah. One spouse a lot of times wants more sex than the other spouse. It's not always a man. And, and our obstacles may or, or may not be related to the marriage trauma. Yes. So there's a lot of other issues that come into play, and the only way to find out is to start talking about it. Let's get the conversation started. So before we dive into our conversation with Joyce Penner, is this who's where, our sexual... Wait, is this where we get to ask about sex toys? Yes, this is the one. This is very dangerous. <laughs> but first, I want to try to make this conversation about sex just a really safe experience for both the husband and the wife. And to do that, let's admit this. This area, which is so vulnerable and is such a... Um, I guess the way that I, I see it is that this is such a sacred topic that and, and such an awkward topic amongst many people that it's one of the only areas, if you think about it, that the average husband and wife, they don't talk to like even their closest friends about this topic. Yeah. Like there are right. very few, if any, other topics out there like that, where we're all kind of functioning in a little silo in a mm. vacuum, not knowing whether what we're dealing with is normal, not knowing how to like ask questions and yeah. and often not talking even to one another. That's Shanti Feldhahn, New York Times bestselling author. Uh, Dana, she's a Harvard University trained analysts, which mm -hmm. is really cool. Yeah. And she recently turned her data crunching toward the topic of sexual intimacy. She and her husband, Jeff, partnered with a sex therapist to complete a three-year comprehensive study called the Marriage Intimacy Project. One of our biggest priorities as we looked through the data and as we were doing it was actually to focus on the things that the average couple, right, like me and my husband, to focus on things that the average couple didn't realize is getting in the way in their mm. relationship. It, there, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a blog um, called The Church That Talked About Sex. We have this weekly equipping mm. blog. And there was this church that Jeff and I had been speaking at that did just a fantastic job of dealing with this topic very sensitively and, you know, saying the church is people are going to get their information from somewhere, right? Yeah. Like the church should be that place, like you said a few minutes ago. And the pastor stood up on stage and he had this quote and he, and I've, I've been thinking about it ever since. And he said, the devil will do everything he can to try to get you into bed before marriage and mm. everything he can to try to keep you out of bed after marriage. If I had the money, there'd be a mic drop right here. But <laughs> Which I don't want to break you the don't. mic. You don't have the money. Yeah. And the whole book that the whole book that they wrote, the one they wrote to compile the research they did for the project, it is one mic drop after another. 
The title of that book is Secrets of Sex and Marriage, Eight Surprises That Make All the Difference, and it is a total page-turner. I think it's a must-read for every couple. It's co-written with Dr. Michael Seitzma. He is a pastor and a sex therapist. Wow, what a what an interesting combo. <laughs> yes. Dr. Seitzma is the co-founder of Sexual Wholeness, an organization that trains Christian sex therapists. And you might recall our sex therapist, Joyce Penner, saying this in episode six when she was talking about how difficult it was to become educated when she first started practicing sex therapy. Well, when we started, there really wasn't training for sex therapists. Masters and Johnson had come out with their information and they were they weren't certifying. They were, we did go there and get all their research data and that kind of thing. But now there are actual training institutes. And the one that we believe is the best in the world is based on scripture. And it's called uh, Sexual Wholeness or the Institute for Sexual Wholeness has been in Atlanta, Georgia, but it just shifted to Dallas, Texas. And uh, that has been such a gift because when we started, they're just, you know, when people were calling us from all over the world, I was helping consummate marriages in Russia and London and North Dakota. And, you know, there just weren't. And now that we have the Institute for Sexual Wholeness, there are sex therapists. And now that we can also function virtually, we can reach people the world. Based on Joyce's high acclaim for Dr. Seitzma's organization and my longtime admiration of Shanti Feldhahn, I couldn't wait to order this book. To be honest, I was just shocked at how useful it was in really setting something straight in my mind as it relates to our intimacy. You see, the book answers questions like what's normal for a sex life and how do we fix our problems in the bedroom and how can we get on the same page with how often we have sex? And it's all based on credible data. Yeah, like this, 94% of couples who are happy with the frequency of their sex life are also happy in marriage. So that frequency thing is a really important thing to figure out. Yes. 94%. Right, 94%. But that stat could feel really bad if you as a couple aren't happy with the frequency of sex until you get to chapter five and discover 79% of couples want a different amount of sex. That's to say their desires don't match each other. You seem way too happy about that. Well, okay, let me explain my enthusiasm. It's not that stat specifically, but the whole book and how it reveals that most of us have something that's off in the bedroom. What I discovered in this book is this. What's normal in the bedroom is having some obstacles to work through. This whole conversation is scary to me. Why? Because it's personal. It's very personal. But here's what I realized that um, I, I think this book was a healing to my heart as a woman who's been through the journey that you and I have walked through, is that not all of the challenges we faced in the bedroom are because of our marriage trauma. And that was so freeing to yeah, me. Yeah, it took a lot of pressure off because there's sometimes physical barriers, right? Right. Yeah. And Women's so, bodies are complicated. Right. For, so start with that. A lot more complicated than men. So give yourselves <laughs> a break if you're facing some barriers in the bedroom. They may not all be related to trauma in your marriage. There may be some things that are easier to fix. They could be par for the course in your marriage experience. 
But of course, there are some that are related to pornography, adultery, those kind of things that come into marriage. And that's what we wanted to discuss with our sex therapist, Joyce, coming up next. And of course, I know that was a shameless plug for Shanti's book, but I really believe that it could be a healing balm for your heart. She doesn't know I'm doing this. She didn't pay me to do this. Nothing sponsored. I, we're going to put a link in the show notes to that great book. Get it. This podcast is brought to you by Pure Freedom and Covenant Eyes. Here's Bob Gresh. So how do you rebuild your sex life when trust has been broken? That's a big issue, right, Dana? And there are some special, very special challenges and considerations regarding that. And we talked about some of them in episode six, but here's what we didn't get to. Here's a hard thing, and women are asking me this question all the time. Uh, they're having a hard time with competing with what he has seen in pornography, and they can't mentally get past that to enjoy being naked again in their own bed. What advice do you have for that, that wife? That is so common. Yes, that is so common. And it makes total sense. We'd like to talk her out of that this isn't a competition because what he's been seeing isn't real. Mm-hmm. You'd have to go get, you know, a few different jobs done before you can compete with that because mm-hmm. <laughs> what they're seeing is not real. Yeah. So you can't compete with the lack of reality. And so you won't ever be able to compete with that. But that doesn't stop the desire in women to try to compete with it. Um, according to Huffington Post, more than one in four young women has considered getting cosmetic surgery after seeing the beauty standards of porn. 25% of young women. Mm-hmm. And 40% say porn has made them more concerned about how their breasts look, for example. But 60% of women say porn sets an unrealistically high bar for what bodies should naturally look like. What a burden to put on our wives. Mm. Yeah, but there's a solution for that. And I think there's only one solution. And we think this couple verbalizes it beautifully. This is an intimate conversation they were having with each other. Yeah, it was images, but the emotions behind it, it felt like you had an affair. That's what it felt like. And so when I went to that place of, you you said earlier, use the word devastated. Yeah, I, I was devastated because, to quote Jeff Bethke, like you're having sex with someone else. And... That, that is devastating. And for me personally, and for so many women I've talked to, it's it just feels like a reflection of yourself. A lot of my identity was in Leighton. It wasn't actually in who God says that I am. And no offense to Leighton, but... I, I'm just not enough. I, I am, that kind of is the truth, is that I am not enough for Leighton. Leighton's not enough for me. The only one that we are enough in and who is enough for us is Christ. And so looking at you, you're going to fail. Like, I love you to death, but like you still fail me, even in marriage, not maybe in this area, but to have my identity and not just my looks, but 
who you say I am, it's always failable. It's always going to fall short. It's, it's never going to meet the requirement of who God says that I am. You don't also have the power to heal me. You don't also have um, the protection of you're not going to say the right thing all the time because you can't read my mind. And I was looking to you to tell me who I was and I was putting that pressure, which that's what it was. It was it's pressure and it's expectation on a person that is failable. And it wasn't until something clicked in me that I needed to go to the Lord for who I actually was and to beginning the healing process and um, to keep me safe. And Yeah. We have infinity in our hearts and from the person who consumes images is a reason that it's never enough and you're constantly seeking more. And there's a reason that a spouse is going to be constantly disappointed if you're everything is a finite person because there's only one being who can fill an infinite void in our hearts and in our souls. And that's met in the person of Jesus and the Trinity. That was Chelsea and Leighton Bovey. They have a podcast titled Liberator, produced by Jamie Ivey's Ivy Media. And, you know, I think Joyce would agree with Chelsea and Leighton's thoughts. She continually reminded us that intimacy with each other and with God, not sex, is the goal in marriage. And usually pornography has fed the mechanics of having sex and at the same time dismantled the intimacy. She told us this. What you're trying to do is establish something different. And you may not be comfortable being nude at first until you really feel the intimacy and the closeness. And the nudity, you know, what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, when they felt the distance from God, what did they do? They covered themselves. And when we are intimate with each other, that's when we can be totally free with our bodies with each other. Okay, so Bob didn't hesitate to ask her how free was totally free. I had a question. Um, Sorry, but you were funny, so you oh, forgot it. I know. Sex toys. Oh, my. <laughs> how about that? Well, let's go there. All right, baby. Sure. Well, it depends so much. Again, if... Um, I mean, the most common one is a vibrator. If the couple has intimacy and they're really enjoying each other and they want to give each other massages with a, a vibrator on their back or wherever. And if they, if the woman can respond orgasmically with a vibrator and that becomes part of intimacy rather than just response, physical response, mm. it can be okay. Now the problem is, We'd prefer to teach her to respond to her own touch or his touch or to their time together, whatever that involves, to respond with her own body if she can. Mm -hmm. If she's been using a vibrator for years, we don't feel a need to undo that unless they are bothered with it or unless it's associated mm -hmm. with some other distraction from intimacy so that's it's really whether it's part of intimacy or whether it's a distraction from intimacy hmm. 
whether the the toys. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, mm-hmm. You you just said you would want her to respond to touching herself. Explain. Yeah, sometimes women can learn more easily. Not all women. Some women don't respond to touching themselves at all, only respond to him touching her. So it's not a necessity. But sometimes we find out a woman has said she's never been orgasmic. But when we get with her alone, we find out she's orgasmic all the time through self-stimulation, but she hasn't wanted to tell him. Hmm. Well, usually we try to get her to tell him because that's the best. And usually the guy's pretty relieved. She at least can be orgasmic. Hmm. And so... Now it's just a matter of transferring that to be able to enjoy it with him. An intimacy so, experience with yeah. him. Right. Which right. Um, I guess what I want to say is um, um, <laughs> let, let, me tell, let me tell you how we would do that if we do it. We have an exercise called the female self-exam and the male self-exam. Many women have never looked at or touched or are familiar with their genitals at all. Mm -hmm. And we have them go through with a diagram and identify the different parts. Thank God for making it that way. Thank him for the feelings and really connect it with good and of God. So her genitals become something. And we talk about this in our newest book, uh, Enjoy the Gift of Sexual Pleasure for Women. And if if she can't claim her sexuality for herself as a gift from God, it's very hard to share it with her husband. Hmm. And so if we can get her, the purpose isn't to teach her to self-stimulate so she's able to have an orgasm and stimulate the rest of her, go, go off and have sex by herself the rest of her life. The purpose is as a transition to being able to be totally free and open with her husband. Mm, I love that. Uh, How important do you think it is for men that their wives enjoy sex and experience orgasm? So important. And that's why in the other book, the Married Guy's Guide to Great Sex, we really unpack scripture in terms of how the husband is to love his wife like Christ loves the church. And if we look at, and that's taught in Ephesians 5, and then if we look at Philippians chapter 2, how did Christ love the church? He humbled himself. He became like us. He became human. He had to suffer all the aspects of humanness, even to the death on the cross. So he gave up his rights and when he gave up his rights, God exalted him eventually. Hmm. And it's very hard for men to give up their rights. But when they get with, they want so badly for their wife to be enjoying sex and to want him and to be responsive with him and all that. But they have a hard time seeing that their pressure for that keeps it from happening. But when they release that pressure Mm. and love her where she is, like Christ loves us where we are, it doesn't matter Mm. how fallen we are. 
he gets with us in the gutters and loves us where we are. So if he can get with her where she is, and it's a huge sacrifice. Mm. It's a much bigger sacrifice that men are called to in marriage sexually than women are. When they're able to do that, then she can free herself to respond to him. And it's the biggest gift for both of them. Mm. When the husband adores, connects with his wife, his affirmation is what ignites her passion. Mm. And she invites him sexually then, and then he feels validated. And so it's a win-win for both. Yeah. Um, So a lot of women are writing to me and saying, um, my husband's appetites have been trained by pornography for anything from transgressive experiences in the bedroom, you know, by that I mean more violent, more controlling, more hurtful. Right, right. To um, mm-hmm. my husband's looking at uh, same sex, like sex, two men having sex together. That's the kind of pornography he's looking at. But he says he's not gay. But I, I don't know how to compete with that. Can a husband's appetites for sex be retrained in this process so that what he wants is that intimacy in the bedroom with his wife. He has to be able to really experience the intimacy to want it. Mm. And that may take time. You might have to do that by decision rather than by desire. And then does desire follow? Is there hope for that? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And it happened in our marriage. Yeah. You know what? I want to say, like, one of the things that we worked on that was it it affected the things in the bedroom more than anything else but had seemingly nothing to do with sex was eye contact. That's intimacy. Yes. Like looking into each other's eyes, which is something that um, I have found that a lot of women are saying – is lacking in their marriage. It's the first thing to go yeah. with a guy. The shame. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So look into each other's eyes. Bob, do you remember that retreat you went on as a course of our journey? You went to a men's retreat and share a little bit about that experience of them pressing you into experiencing intimacy, learning intimacy, choosing it. Okay. There was a lot of good things about that retreat, but there was that was the weirdest treat retreat I've ever been on. (laughs) It ended with loincloths and around the fire. Okay, we don't need to go there. But anyway. That just sounds really cultish. Well, (laughs) so I'm just going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. So um, It's a retreat we don't recommend. Right. And so, but they were, it was very creative. They did a lot of neat things. And um, when we left, we didn't say goodbye all the people that were leading the retreat, there's probably six or eight of them, got in a line and we just looked into their, into their eyes and didn't say goodbye. And it was crying time. It you was used no words. No words. You said goodbye with your eyes. Completely awkward and totally moving. It was Was it game changing? Amazing. And I never want to do it again, but I should. <laughs> I should. Yeah. But I There's would, something going on between the eyes. It's intimacy. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. I was reading today in my Bible about how the prayer in the Old Testament was, may the Lord make his face shine upon thee. That's intimacy. That's face-to-face contact. And until you get that down, you're really going to have a hard time getting everything right in the bedroom, I think. And it might be where you want to begin. Yep. Terrifying, but necessary. Marriage, intimacy is hard work. Mm -hmm. It's hard work. And it's awkward sometimes, but totally worth it. And, And Dana, we have our ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, we pray together, and some nights that prayer is real fast because I don't feel like praying. <laughs> and uh, But we've had our ups and downs yeah. and ongoing ups and downs with just, you know, getting too busy, um, you know, watching too much football, all kinds of things that affect our time together. So what would your advice be to a guy who's listening and being like, I am terrified that they just talked about eye contact? Work your way into it. Uh, well, that's kind of a lame answer, isn't it? Like, <laughs> do the hard stuff. <laughs> and I think read a little bit, go through some books together. Reading really builds intimacy, they say. Joyce Penner says that. She assigned reading to us as Look, part of our sex therapy. Yeah, I'm on this podcast, <laughs> and I <laughs> think this is hard stuff. Yeah. Marriages have ups and downs. Right. And I think it's really important because a lot of times people look at us and they want to over-spiritualize us. And I Mm -hmm. think that's really devastating to people's marriages because they think we have it worked out and fixed. Yeah. It's an ongoing relationship. An ongoing relationship that we get to work on. But there is hope. Absolutely. Well, that's this episode of the Happily Even After limited series podcast with Bob and Dana Gresh. Be sure to check out the show notes at danagresh.com. If you don't already have a copy of Happily Even After, Let God Redeem Your Marriage, get one anywhere you like to buy books. Episodes one through seven of this podcast support key chapters in that book. They contain conversation prompts to explore the seven beliefs every marriage needs to experience God's redemption. A few disclaimers for this episode. Some couples may not be ready to work on sexual intimacy just yet. Be sure you're getting good, clinically informed, biblically-based counsel to know when the time is right. And this podcast is not sufficient to deal with issues related to abusive behavior in the bedroom. But we did mention that in episode six titled, Get the Dog Out of the Bed. And we have a whole podcast devoted to the topic of abuse, which could be important if you're uncomfortable with what's happening in your bed. Check out episode number nine titled, All Right, Let's Talk About Abuse. And finally, before you work on your intimacy in the bedroom, there could be something you need to work on first, like rebuilding trust or better managing anxiety or depression. But never be afraid to get coaching and some sex therapy. And we'll put links to recommended providers in the show notes. Christian providers. The Happily Even After podcast is written by Bob and Dana Gresh. Original music and production by Blake Bratton. 